You're listening to Know, Like, and Trust by Stampede Digital Systems. As a pioneer of the Know, Like, and Trust movement, Stampede guides listeners through the marketing process with real-life examples of successful individuals. Today's show highlights a business owner who offers a valuable service, making a powerful impact on the world. With your host, Troy Campbell. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Stampede Digital Systems Know, Like, and Trust podcast, a podcast dedicated to helping entrepreneurs and those who are building and following their dreams to connect with others and get them to know them so they can like them and trust them. We have an amazing guest today that's a great example of just that. His name is Rico Lamit. He's a two-time TEDx alumnus, motivational speaker, MC, and a serial entrepreneur with a, f- a firm footing in the rapidly expanding global cannabis market. Late 2016, a, ca- a cancer scare led him to abruptly leave a nearly 10-year career in corporate finance and venture on an uncertain risk-filled journey into a rapidly expanding global cannabis industry. Utilizing his unique background in professional athletics, entertainment, and corporate finance, Rico's been able to successfully navigate the industry's notorious, difficult California business climate, building brands and forging lasting relationships throughout his state. I won't tell you more. He's got more to talk about. He's got an amazing story, but let's, and without further ado, and beautiful baby Zora, who he's bouncing happily. Um, she might join us too for the call every once in a while. Rico, how are you doing today? I'm excellent. How are you, brother? Good. Awesome. Uh, Salt, Salt Lake City right now. And she's how old again? She is. Uh, she's going to be eight weeks. Tomorrow. Beautiful, beautiful. Well, I'm glad that she can join us today, and she is more than welcome to opine anytime she wishes. Tonight, she's uh, she's used to podcasting with me. <laughs> she's used to podcasting with me, and uh, we recorded a couple of songs together too. With a couple of good friends that are producers, and we sample <laughs> her voice. I love it. We have a uh, album made by the end of the month. All the stuff that we've done. She keeps me up late at night, so we get creative. Yes. Yeah. It takes them a bit before they start sleeping all the way through the night. Exactly. Yeah. She's uh, she's getting a little better with the uh, sleep schedule. Good. And um, but I'm not, so I'm still stuck in my uh, insomnia like now until about like three thirty a.m. But she's sleeping soundly. I'm not that works. <laughs> It's it's the um, it's the way that that fathers get gray hair. <laughs> I have five, I have five, and uh, I'll pluck them out, and it seems to just like grow right right back in the same exact spot. I know. So so I mean, you, uh, I really love. Uh, I, we didn't mention one of the outfits that you're over is yeah. I gather, and I really love that and. And then, you know, just tell us a little bit about the cancer scare and where you've been and how you came to, to, to be doing what you're doing right now, because it's such a fascinating story. Yeah. So, um, uh, so I was born outside, of, uh, uh, born in Fort Belvoir, Virginia, right outside of D.C., Alexandria. 
My mother married my stepfather. He was in the military. We moved to Germany for five years and then back to rural Virginia, a place called Fluvanna County, about uh, 35 minutes outside of Charlottesville. And um, stayed there for the longest I'd ever lived anywhere uh, uh, and ended up getting recruited and played football at Northwestern University. Um, Senior year of college, um, I went to the team doctor with a sore throat. She gave me, unfortunately, unlimited refills of Vicodin. Um, and being, I wasn't a, a wealthy kid like some of my other uh, uh, peers at Northwestern. Uh, so I ended up selling it, uh, ended up to make a little mo- extra money on the side. And then, then I ended up being, maybe. <laughs> Yeah, ended up being uh, addicted to sure. it, and um, like unfortunately, and then training for the NFL, I ruptured my Achilles tendon, um, and Vicodin didn't work. They gave me Norco. Um, I was depressed. All my friends were still playing. I wasn't. Right. Million dollar contracts and everything, and they gave me Zoloft. Um, I couldn't sleep because of all these drugs in me. Right. And they gave me Ambien. <laughs> she wants to bounce. And um, they, they gave me Ambien. So we didn't have Obamacare at the time. Um, stuck with a $800 plus uh, bill for these drugs that I needed every month. I ended up selling weed outside of Wrigley Field. I didn't know anything about uh, the industry, but I knew uh, a couple of guys who had it. And I was homeless. I was homeless. 3.2 GPA, top 10 university at the time. <laughs> um, they're not top 10 anymore. Like my question. Yeah. yeah. In, uh, university, um, two degrees and, um, selling weed to get by. Um, yeah, like luckily I, I stumbled upon uh, a scout, um, and I ended up on tour with a bunch of pop stars. I was an MC for backstage passes for, uh-huh. um, I, I toured for a company called marketing works. And the tour that I was on was uh, the Verizon Wireless Music Tour. And we sponsored a bunch of pop stars, um, Justin Timberlake, Nas, Akon, Green Day, yeah. Pussycat Dolls, The Fray, uh, to name a few. And um, I just went on tour. And I had a lot of fun. And it really helped me um, uh, learn about stage presence, uh, learn about just, like interacting with people through, like, like, uh, uh, through a lot of guerrilla marketing because... The Verizon Wireless Music Tour, they, they sponsored these artists. And it was before the iPhone days, Verizon Wireless was king of the hill, like 100%. We had a TV phone. Uh, they actually could get cable TV on. <laughs> it's like all different kinds of stuff that the, the iPhone came and just like smashed everything. Like, yeah. It was like, look better. It was, it was cooler. They, I mean, they called the iPhone the Jesus phone when it first came out. There's a reason for that, right? Um, you didn't have to choose. You didn't have to choose like, oh, this phone does this, but this phone does that. Like, no, like the iPhone does it all. So, yeah. So what we did, we went out and beta tested and got this information back. Um, in between tours, I ran into my best friend Greg. He was my roommate in college. I ended up being the, the best man in uh, his wedding. I was the best man in both of his weddings. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I found out how much he was making in corporate finance, and I, I sold out. Yeah. Shade off, off my mohawk that I had, the long goatee, I had a goatee like down, like probably like <laughs> in the mid chest. And uh, got into corporate finance and it was the exact wrong time. I got in, I think my start date was like 
is late October uh, 2007, the exact peak of the market. <laughs> so I get in, um, barely past my Series 7 because I have ADHD. Right. And uh, it wasn't because I didn't know the material. It was because I fell asleep in the damn test. Like all, all three times I took it. And you can only take it three times and you have like six months there so you can take it again. And uh, luckily, I passed for the absolute, I think I have it uh, framed somewhere in our storage. Um, I think I got like an absolute lowest, uh, <laughs> uh, um, uh, I think it's like, like a 66. It's like the absolute like lowest passing score on it. Right. Third time that I took it, so I was in. And um, Well, I was, I was a financial planner. I don't know if you knew that, but I was a financial planner. And I used to tell everyone that took the Series 7, uh-huh. Anything overpassing, you overstudied because you don't use it. In, right. You know. Anyway, so go on. I, I didn't. No, no you're, you're absolutely you're absolutely right. And uh, everybody, like, I was like a legend in the office because like everybody's like, oh, Rico was like passed the third time that he that he took it, and he just just passed. <laughs> I think it was like, uh, um, yeah, like, like sixty six or something like that, and um, I, it was just enough, and because uh, the series seven is like a. It's a mile wide and, and an inch deep and just like just not just take my attention but um so past that got in market crashes and um, i always joke with uh, all my friends like the best job security a, a black man can have in corporate america is finance because there's only one of us in every office <laughs> and at at that time um uh, i was a low man on the totem pole i definitely should have got chopped uh went through four layoffs and I still had a job. So thank God for that. Uh, I tried the recession, claw my way back up on top of the firm. They started flying me all around the U.S. And I didn't have to hide my addiction anymore because everybody was popping bills in corporate finance in the, in the offices that I was in what I was doing. Um, everybody was drinking on the job. It was never cool to smell like weed, but everybody was drinking on the job. Everybody like, it has all these prescriptions that they're taking. So it just wasn't looked down upon. Um, I went to uh, one of my buddies out in California. They started flying me over. I ended up being really, really good at what I did. Um, I was speaking. Uh, um, I was a wholesaler. And I was a mutual fund wholesaler. Um, it's like pharmaceutical sales in the finance industry. And uh, people don't understand there's this hidden shadow industry in corporate finance. And we paid to play everywhere. And uh, whether it was Schwab, TD Ameritrade, uh, whatever these... Uh, Whoever these large firms cleared through, um, uh, Morgan Stanley, Smith Barney, um, they had these reports that they did, and they recommended funds, and then they either the recommended funds, they would have approved funds. Approved funds may mean that your firm doesn't have a lot enough money to pay to be recommended. And if you're on the recommended list, and let's say somebody, a client, they inherit, their grandmother dies, and they inherit a couple of million dollars. What the advisors that these large uh, uh, wirehouse firms would do at the time. It's not as much like that now because robo-advisors are doing a lot more of the, the work, but um, they would bring you in and uh, if, you, if, if you inherit $2 million and your family's always had the same advisor, um, chances are you're going to go to that same advisor that your grandmother had. Like, oh, what am I supposed to do with this money? Pay off your bills first and like, what am I going to treat yourself to a couple of nice things and you invest the rest. Usually with the same people, they bring you in like, Oh, it's very sorry. They, 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 
to hear that you lost your grandmother. I've been with them for so long. We're going to take care of you. They make you take a risk assessment questionnaire. Right. It's all a bunch of BS, <laughs> especially in the wire, in the wirehouses. Like all of that is just, it's all sales and they want to get to you emotionally first and their assistant or whoever is the lower person on the mama's here. It's just time for you to eat. So, uh, She'll probably be back a little bit, in a little bit, but um, they um, they plug all your information in a computer. It, 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 it's and that's it. They plug your information in a computer. Uh, they give you a portfolio, and they and they pop up the recommended funds. And that's when the advisor calls me up. It's just a popularity contest, and if me, some other like ex athletes, uh, very outgoing people, and, and take them to Nobu, you take them to Mr. Chow. Uh, you buy them. Sometimes we buy them drugs. Sometimes we buy them prostitutes. Like we do whatever it takes to close that deal. And uh, I got real, real good at that. I got real, real deep into that. And my morals were just out the window. Um, they started flying me all over the U.S. to close the biggest deals. And luckily, I was able to come out to, to California. A good friend of mine, um, he knew a dispensary owner. Uh, his good friend owned a dispensary. And he invited me in, and I was just like, "Yo, I'm getting some good weed from this guy." Uh, we call it a Cali medical medical grade. We didn't know anything about strains, didn't know anything about the science behind the plant. And uh, he called me out on being an addict. He said I had a twitch that you're very familiar for uh, with. I was like, "Man, screw you!" Right. <laughs> He's calling me out, and 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 I just told him like, uh, "No," but you know, sales a challenger model and my personality go really, really well with each other. And yeah, he called me out on being an addict and I actually took it pretty well. And I was like, okay, like, what are you, you going to do about that? And he said, I, I work with a lot of addicts and yeah, what, what pills are you taking? And I let him know what I was taking. He said, well, instead of these, why don't you take this strain and take half of one of those pills for your dosage instead of these pills take half of a pill and take this strain. I didn't know anything about the science behind cannabis at all. I used to sell weed to supply my opioid habit when I was like down and out after college. And um, about six, seven months later, I didn't need those pills anymore at all. Yes. And you know, since then, I've been a bit huge advocate for it. Um, actually, I've been like, like deep on the science of it. And, um, and it, everything was like pretty cool. And everybody just thought I was just like a, a hippie <laughs> in the office. And, uh, um, I elevated, elevated, um, switched over to the retail side of the cannabis, of the, um, uh, of the, uh, uh, the finance industry. My last gig, I was a, I was a branch manager of one of the biggest firms in the world and had a tumor. And, uh, at the time I was obese. My marriage was on the rocks. Um, all at the expense of me being this, the best of what I do. Right. And, um, and now I thought it was just over for me. My father, my biological father died of non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. My grandmother, pancreatic. My uncle just died a couple of mo- uh, last month of stomach cancer. Uh, my other uncle, multiple myeloma. Um, I was just like, it's my time. Yeah. And that was like the worst two days of my life waiting for those, that, uh, or that biopsy result to come back. And for some reason, mine was negative. It was a benign tumor, got it removed. 
go on with your life. Right. And uh, I took a three-week leave of absence from work. Like, I didn't know what to do, man. It was, it was crazy. I just wanted to, just, I didn't know what I was going to do going forward. Uh, I was making a lot of money, but I wasn't living right. Um, and that's when Greg, my best friend, it was a second wedding. <laughs> it was up in Oregon, and I didn't want to fly up there. I'm, I live in Los Angeles. I didn't want to fly up there. I was like, yo, let's take this 12-hour drive yeah. and um, bond again with my wife. And uh, we drove up there and um, took a nap. It was around like 3 a.m. in the morning. We took a nap like right on the border of Southern Oregon right. um, at this uh, rest stop. And I woke up, and it was absolutely gorgeous. Look out all around my myself it's nature everywhere um the sun's just peeking over the mountains and i called up my district manager actually my sales director and uh i told him i'm done i just quit 10-year career in corporate finance quit good job well congratulations yeah and and cannabis was it that i knew that was my passion is something that i felt like saved me and uh yeah, like I said, I didn't know the science behind it. The only thing I could say about me having a benign tumor is, I can't look at it re- retroactively, is, is, the, is the fact that I was the only one in my family that was a cannabis consumer. And um, I was given another chance. Right. Total 180, gotten in the industry, and it's been awesome since. So <laughs> here I am. Right. I, th- I think, you know, when, when you're talking about that, the, how addictions capture us and, yeah. and how you were able to, to transform your life through those herbs. And that's, that's powerful because it yeah. just isn't about drugs. Right? No. There's the alcohol, but it's not just about that. There's sex, there's gambling, there's overeating. There's, um, I don't know what playing video games. I don't know anything that gives us that gives us a high. We can, uh, what's another one I heard, um, as an addiction. Codependence, or yeah. they, they have a dysfunctional relationship, and somehow that's an addictive thing. And right. have a path off that is an amazing um, possibility. Yeah, and, and to me, it was I thought medical cannabis, um, I thought it was a bunch of BS. I mean, I just, I didn't believe in it. I was like, okay, yeah, like people in California, they just want to get high and, <laughs> yeah. and have use for it. Yeah. And uh, here I am, an addict, and I knew that. Um, and I got off of it through weed. Yeah. <laughs> well, I like what you were saying earlier about the research that's now coming out versus what it used to be. Right. More about that. Yeah. So, fast forward to today, and this. So, I've been in the cannabis industry on the legal side um, for almost four years now, and um, the research is is, is crazy now. So, when I first got in with the company that was at before we went public, um, we were the first ones in the industry to do online ordering, uh, to do digital loyalty. similar to Starbucks or Chipotle and uh, only ones to do text message marketing. And uh, these things were already commonplace in mainstream America. They weren't available in the cannabis industry. So I could sell to whoever. And um, so I would, I would sell to people. Um, this before it was legal, legal 
Uh, we had quasi-legalization in, in, in California for about 25 years now. And uh, so I can go to the dispensaries that weren't legal legal. And I can go to the ones that are the super dispensaries. They're super nice, have uh, international global funding and all that stuff. So I got to meet all kinds of people, right? And introduce them to this product that I had and, and make them a lot of money. And, and along those travels, I was able to see like some crazy, crazy, crazy things. And I was able to uh, see the proof of medical cannabis actually curing epileptic seizures immediately. Yeah. Um, I met people where they're nonverbal autistic kids. Um, all of a sudden, they were calm again. They could speak again. Uh, folks with Parkinson's, they actually like, could calm down and still themselves. And this is crazy to me. Yeah. And, and I'm like, why is this illegal? Like, this is crazy that it's illegal. And um, fast forward to today, like a lot of those things are patented globally. Um, when federal legalization finally uh, occurs here in the U.S., whether it's um, Joe Biden um, doing it or, uh, or, or Donald Trump, uh, I think that's going to, I really think it's going to be his Hail Mary yeah. of his term, and he's going to win a landslide if he does that. Yeah. Uh, through executive order, um, like that is going to be total life changer for absolutely everybody. Right. Um, so much you can do with this thing and uh, with this plant, and it's been here all along. Like uh, every single uh, Egyptian sarcophagus, uh, all these ancient uh, civilizations, they were all buried with their hemp stashes <laughs> yeah. in there. And then all of a sudden, through racism, uh, um, building the Panama Canal, um, uh, they were chopped out. And that's it. Like racism cut this miracle drug. The uh, Declaration of Independence, the um, uh, Constitution was written on hemp paper. Wow. And all of this was just like cut out of society. Wow. And, and, and you look around you, like everything that's built around us, the from computers to uh, uh, buildings and everything can be built through this super textile hemp. hemp. Um, and, and then on the medical side, whether it's CBD, non-psychoactive, um, or you have uh, THC, which is which is way better for you. And people need to understand the differences between like a full spectrum and you have the full en uh, entourage effect. And it's, it's better if it's not just CBD. Right. Uh, there's, there's, there's versions of THC. There's very, very low THC uh, versions of plant that um, uh, that are way more beneficial for you on the medicinal side. You'll never get high. Yeah, common knowledge. Uh, but there's so much that has not been discovered. And then all the things that I've seen, all the things that everybody in the cannabis industry has seen, like over and over again. But if you put all of those experiences together, it's probably like a couple hundred, which doesn't really count for this is science. Yeah, we can dump a ton of federal money into this where you have huge clinical trials and like this 100% is science. You can put that out as fact. Right. And that's what I'm excited for uh, because it, it's helped me. And I've been able to help like, like my grandfather. He can dance for the first time in over 10 years. Um, I'm able to have like healthy debates with my uh, very conservative friends from back in Virginia, uh, back on the East Coast um, in the South where they're like, oh yeah, yeah. like you're smoking that mess. Like I can't believe that. Um, uh, one of the most powerful conversations I've had was with one of my old college teammates who's CPD now, he's like in the Chicago Police Department. And uh, we had our 
10 year reunion a couple of years back. Uh, and, um, I was like, Rico, I heard you went over to the dark side. I'm like, what do you mean the dark side? And he said, I heard you're selling weed. And I was like, actually, I'm selling software that helps people sell weed quicker. <laughs> but, um, no, I'm not selling weed. Yeah. And why do you call it the dark side? He's like, man, that, that stuff destroys people. It's drugs, man. I said, it's medicine. Yeah. It's not drugs. And, and how many people do you go out and you arrest every week out in Wrigleyville for uh, urinating in public? Domestic violence, open property, and yeah. he just laughed it off. I said, like, "That's just baseball season." I said, "How many people you know smoked a joint and did any of that?" Yeah, and he got quiet. Yeah, said, exactly. Kill the kill the stigma. Go out there, do your own research. Like, like that's the best thing about it right now. Like, people want to have all these opinions online. They want to just tear each other down, and they and they're they're so quick to do that instead of going one tab over and googling stuff now there's scientific research from all over the world world-renowned scientists world-renowned doctors they're all backing it find out and and, and there's it's a a beautiful world that is hiding in plain sight i love it i love it i um i just read a report um real have you ever been to realclearscience.com i have not it's just, it, it's just got every day it's got new science articles. And so I just love that kind of stuff. And I read it that the hemp industry is actually being slow. It's being slowed down because of federal regulation. Mm-hmm. If we can break out some of that stuff, all of that hemp, all of the, you know, like you were saying earlier, you can make glass with hemp. You can make everything, everything around us. Totally, bio, yeah, totally biodegradable. <laughs> like 100% biodegradable. It comes from the earth. Um, uh, we need to get rid of all these like plastics. These are toxic. Plastic goes nowhere. Like, like when they stopped making plastic out of was it, uh, tortoise shells, like it was the original plastic, and they started making like man-made plastic. Right. Uh, you can see these dumps like all over the world from from space. We're, we're destroying the earth. And we've had we've been given everything that we need, yeah. and. Um, it's like, like hemp is it's, it's a miracle plant. Like the cannabis sativa, the, the plant is is a miracle. And um, it's the other thing we need to stop saying CBD versus um, uh, cannabis because it's the same plant. Period. Yeah. Like, hemp, industrial hemp, is the male side of the plant, and uh, it's like protests and stuff in <laughs> LA. But um, um, industrial side of the plant is the male plant and the psychoactive and the, and the medical side of the plant is the female plant, right? And, and once people they get that in their mind, it's the same exact plant, you'll start to understand that like this thing it can really, really be an agriculturally based economy. Yeah. Everything we need, like, I, like forget that using like a paper the way we are right now and destroying forests, like the, the, the life cycle of a cannabis plant is so much quicker and so much more usable. You can use every last bit of that plant and, and, and produce everything around us, right? Yeah. And it's antimicrobial. It is um, flame retardant. Um, it's longer lasting, yet easier to break down with the right processes. Um, there's so much you can do. There's so much opportunity. And, and yes, you're right. It's slowing down because of regulation. Um, that just... That, that just has to happen because the U.S. economy will crumble. And uh, I think the funniest thing about all of this, like um, just 10 years ago, um, three most influential people in the 
cannabis industry at that point with maybe like a Snoop Dogg, Cheech and Chong, right? <laughs> you know, like a Harry, Woody Harrelson, like the yeah. now. Yeah. Like if you look at it now, um, if Donald Trump legalizes it, right? And you look in the history books 10, 20 years from now, the three most influential people are going to be John Boehner, yeah. Mitch McConnell, and Donald Trump. John Boehner was the first one that, uh, um, that normalized it. He was the first uh, Republican uh, uh, ever. When he left Congress, he got on board of, uh, on the board of Acreage. He's already had a huge payday from that, uh, Acreage Farms. And then Mitch McConnell with the hemp bill, because it, uh, me, I'm from the South. I know I went down uh to virginia a few months ago and i saw how cheap cigarettes are uh carton of cigarettes is crazy like tobacco's making nothing no money there's no yield from that um so they're switching over all those fields in the south in kentucky because it's mitch mcconnell switched it over to hemp and he's making a killing from that and uh, so he did he passed the hemp bill and it's just unregulated right now if you think that the unregulated uh, uh thc uh, market the last 25 years in california has been the wild west like yeah, right. Market right now. Um, and then if Donald Trump, if he legalizes it, like, like, dude, like, yeah. never would have thought in a million years, three Republicans would be uh, yeah. the most influential people in the legalization movement. I, I look at, I kind of look at where you're at. And, you know, I remember, I don't know, 10 years ago, maybe right. friends that were, that were all, I mean, every day they would spend smoking dope, right? And the, yeah. And they would be going, you got to legalize this, man. I'm like, you know what? If you're an example of what weed does, I don't think so, right? I'm open to the idea, but if, if you're an example, I don't think so. But as, like you said, as real research on all of the benefits and people like you, and, and you say, we're not, we're not trying to create this huge civilization that's all just, all just doped up and stupid. We're actually right. a heal. We're trying to empower. We're trying to build up. We're trying to support. We're, you know, suddenly you look at it in a way different way and say, "There's a lot of capacity." So, Not so much. Your journey is is I think um, uh, really indicates the value that's there if we can find it and grab it and use it. Yeah, and, and, and it's my little soapbox on the issue, but. No, oh, man, it is, it's, it's, it's truly inspirational. And as, as we see, like, sadly, um, it's like Rome is burning around us right now. Um, all of this can be solved by cannabis. And, and before I get like all super altruistic on you, like, like, like 100%, this is an industrial revolution times 10. Like we can reproduce this stuff so, so, so quickly. Um, like everything around us can be built on it. I mean, say what you want about like, like Trump and him and his like build the wall initiative, right? I uh, like down it. He wants to be whatever he wants to be and say whatever he wants to say and build his wall. If he built that wall out of hempcrete, yeah, you would juice the hell out of the U.S. and the Mexican economies. You're saying, yeah, like immediately, yeah. like 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 this is it's just absolutely crazy. We're just sitting on this stuff right now. And it's, it's being stalled out because, because the government wants to find out how to get their cut from it. And, and 100%, you cannot compete with the labor rates of Mexico right next door. Right. Uh, um, right. And in the world economy, um, as of right now, I don't know what it'll look like in a year or two. <laughs> but the world economy just follows 
the U.S. The reason why it was prohibited around the world was because the U.S. prohibited it. Yep. And um, and if, if that wall is broken down, uh, World Health Organization just said they're going to be working with the U.N. and they're going to have a decision on where they're going to go with cannabis in December. Good. Good. Period. And, and if if they decriminalize it, I'm all for decriminalization before legalization. Okay. And that's be and and the difference is. With decriminalization, uh, you open up the doors to research, to medical trials, um, to compassion, uh, um, to see how it works before you just let the market dive into it. Right. If you just legalize, and I think California is the best example of, of how not to legalize, because they just jumped into legalization. There was no buffer there. Um, there yes, there's 25 years of quote unquote medical cannabis, but there's it was the wild west. I mean, there, was, there was like literally there was about thirty nine hundred dispensaries in Los Angeles alone, oh, right? Yes, right. And, and there was technically there was only one hundred eighty three legal dispensaries, right? So like you can just like do the math on that. Like there's so much that was going on here, and there's so much uh, desire for it, and that's what people did not realize coming into this pandemic. The cannabis industry, the cannabis sales were been up like 400 percent and and who would have thought like 10 years ago again um gold um bonds are like uh, they're, they're struggling right now but gold bonds and weed those are your defensive stock <laughs> those are your defensive stock <laughs> excuse me your defensive uh, allocations for your uh, for your uh, portfolio because i love it yeah and uh, it, it, just, it just really really excites me um and i'm all for decriminalization so we can study it further and see what the the real opportunity is and you can the biggest thing for me is righting the wrongs of the illegal and the racist war on drugs period because black and brown communities have been devastated by um just hit jobs from the uh, from the government uh uh, just demonizing these these communities uh for using this stuff and for black brown black and brown communities um, especially in Mexican communities, right? Like this, this, is, this is crazy when I talk to my Mexican friends in the industry, like their abuelas always had their stash and that was their medicine. They saw it as medicine, mm-hmm. right? And um, uh, when I got into the industry, like I was on this, I was, I was on this huge, um, I was just on this huge kick that like I was in white America in corporate finance for, uh, uh, 10 years and I was, I was doing nothing to help our communities and I see this huge opportunity to help black and brown communities and we wouldn't listen because three generations of black and brown men and women have been put behind bars have died uh, trying to sell this stuff you know uh, for whatever it was worth and the older generations that are taking care of these kids uh, um, they didn't want any part of it period craziest thing Dr. Dre's uh, The Chronic right like one of the most iconic albums of all time um, here at uh, Compton, California, um, 98,000 eligible uh, voters, um, almost all black community. Yeah. It was one of the 11 uh, 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 Los Angeles cities that voted not to legalize it. Yeah. The black and brown communities didn't want any part of it. Right. Because well, it's, it's, just, it's destroyed them economically, financially, 
and tore apart their, their, their families. If, if, if these things can be modified so, they're, so that you can't directly see the swath of destruction, right. that the, the, these chemicals and these addictions, and just, you know, if they can be set into a real business model where you're providing true value, yeah. then that proves their, their value. Yes, yes, and they, and they can, and they can, and this is where California is failing, right? So California failed because number one, they legalized immediately, so they allowed all these big corporations to come in, and people didn't realize the, the culture behind it. So that's the difference between the cannabis industry and every other, like um, uh, traditional industry. This is not big pharma. This is not big tobacco. This is not big alcohol. And everybody who's trying to come in and treat it like that has failed miserably. There's a 100% a culture behind it. And if you don't have that component in there, then you're going to fail, yeah. right? And, um, and, and, and my big thing and what I built through Canagather is a way to um, uh, connect the trap house to the penthouse, okay. right? And, and I've, I've drawn upon my past in corporate finance and then also everything I've learned in the last three and a half years in the industry. I've met these OGs in the industry. I've met these quote unquote trap farmers up north in Humboldt County. Um, they're generational farmers. They know more about the plant than any scientist, any chemist in the world. Uh, and, and, and as my, my, my biggest recommendation to any of my consulting clients, like if you're from outside of California or you're outside the industry, you're looking to get in, you're looking to learn about it. You need to go on a week sabbatical to Humboldt County, California. That is the Bordeaux of the cannabis industry. Like you're not going to you're not going to find like Boone's farm in any nice restaurant, right? You're not going to find like a like mad dog 2020, but uh, that's what people think. You can just reproduce this stuff. Like, no, like soil has not been tainted. These people have never put pesticides in anything. Um, um, they sing to the plants. These are like, it's, it's crazy. And it's the, it's the best product on earth. And, and, and that's all come, it all comes back to the culture. And if you don't respect that culture, you're going to fail because people here in California know that. And they just laugh at these companies that come in here and you try to like, do this. Oh yeah, I was great in this state. We've already conquered this state. Come in here, fail, go out of business. Yeah. Out of, they're, they're done. And uh, you, you got to respect that culture. You get in there. And um, in my big initiative uh, with Canagather was a way to connect these folks because they absolutely hated each other. Right. But you have these big companies with a lot of a ton of money coming in, public companies that come in and they're like, okay, I'm going to have uh, uh, I'm going to have set up shop in California. We're going to conquer this like fail. And then you have all these people who have been in it forever and they're struggling because they can't compete with all these companies that are taking over all the farmland and they're chilling out so much product. That's not that great, but they're selling out so much product and they can't compete with that. They're flooding all the dispensaries and um, you got to get those people together. If you have better product uh, on the side of the corporations and do have uh, better uh, marketing and a better uh, outreach in all the systems that we just uh, spoke of uh, to all of the legacy farmers and the legacy uh, dispensary owners. You got to put those people together and, and the industry will flourish. Uh, pardon the pun there. <laughs> it, will, it will absolutely uh, expand exponentially, like very, very, very quickly uh, because you need to have those people together. And um, what I've actually even proposed uh, to some of my people in high places is um, uh, when we try this thing again, um, because social equity, I love social equity. Social equity is um, a, a program put together uh, to, 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 to attempt to right the wrongs of the war on drugs. 
And um, it's not going to work the way it is right now. Like um, it's a bad deal for both sides. California wants to work as uh, as a country, not as a as a state. So everything's municipality up. And then uh, so you can't you can't scale unless you have tens of millions of dollars. Right. And then the last thing is there's no affirmative action in California. Yeah. It's dead on arrival. So like everybody's like, oh yeah, this is a great opportunity. Like good luck. Yeah. It's not going to happen. So what I did with Canada Gathers, I was able to get a lot of these social equity applicants, these people from the streets, these people that need opportunity, they just need guidance, they need uh, business planning. I've introduced them to uh, these, these, these large producers that actually sponsor uh, my, um, uh, my, my monthly events. And they, they pay me like, a decent amount of money for, um, to get on stage for access to my audience, to access uh, to, my, uh, um, to my network. And I'm able to introduce those folks and I'm like, yo, like every white stuffy, uh, white uh, suited up, uh, a C-suite executive, they're not evil. Like not all of them. There are some evil people, like I mean, on both sides. But um, they're not all evil. They just don't have black, brown, uh, gay, um, veteran, or women in their boardrooms. So when they put out these marketing strategies that don't come to your neighborhood they don't really target your demographic it doesn't mean that they're evil it doesn't mean that they're bad people it just means that they're they're not familiar with the culture side of things oh, that's exactly my feeling yeah they, they need to connect uh, right right there's, there's three sides of the cannabis industry um yeah there is yeah there's, there's, there's the economic side sure there's the health and wellness side yeah. and there's the culture side you have to have all three of those for it to work and, um, and the people at the bottom, they need money, right? And, and we live in a capitalist society, like whether you like it or not, you can't come to the bas- you can't come to a football game wearing basketball shorts. Right. And that's what people are doing. Like, oh yeah, like, I need to do this. Like the state's going to give me like $200,000 to start my, my uh, start my business up. Like $200,000, like the taxes are so high. Like that'll last you maybe three months, maybe yeah. in this industry. You need these corporations in order to thrive. These corporations need you for PR. Right. It's, it's a huge win-win for both of them. Who cares where their heart is? This is capitalism. Yeah. Check, check your morals at the door if you want to play this game. So yeah. they need you for PR. It's a feel-good story for everybody. Everybody knows like emotion sells. And I'm helping out this great guy. He came up. He was in prison. Like, he got expunged. Like, blah, 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 blah. And, it, you know, the big leaf cannabis. We care. Who cares if they really care or not? Like that's what sells. And, and you want to stay in this industry and, and you need your product to thrive and for you to help your community, like, like have a conversation with them. Like I, I just got so mad when I hear, like when I see these activists and they're out and they're just like yelling and, and, and cussing at these big corporate guys and just like tearing them down, but you've never asked for a meeting with them. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. If you, if you, if you request a meeting, they, they call you in the meeting and they're still saying terrible things. Yep. Of course, 100%. Tear them apart. Yep. But, mm-hmm, but you talk yourself out of, out of a, the, the, the entire conversation before it even begins if you're throwing stones. Choosing, choosing to participate. Yeah. Even if our systems aren't perfect, whatever that word means, mm-hmm. is the most affirmative, most powerful thing we can do. Right. You know, the no like and trust podcast. That's what this is all about. Helping people 
You know, we advocate, let people get to know you. Right. You know, like you, trust you. That's the way to do it. Right. And, and you know, um, we have got to know and like and trust you. Dare I say love you. Oh, man. Appreciate it. Like, and, I just, I mean, like, from what I've been through, man, it's like, uh, I never tell anybody that I beat cancer. I didn't beat cancer. I just I was given a second chance. And uh, like since then, like, I just, I, I spread the word, man. Like, this. Yeah. This stuff is real and uh, just give it a chance. And um, I, I, just, I just love being alive. I love connecting people, um, um, telling my story, hearing other people's stories. And, and you have to. Like, I, like the, the, the world is a dark place right now because people are stuck in their own bubbles. Yes. Not, they're not willing to listen to the next person's story mm-hmm. and, 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 and just take a nugget or two from their story and add it to yours. And, and that's what the world needs right now. And um, without sounding too hippy dippy, you know, um, it's like, true though. If if we yeah. our bubbles, we're doomed. Right. And and easy way to get out of that bubble. I talk about this on my uh, on my TEDx too. Like easy way to get out of the bubble: smoke a joint. <laughs> but if, you know, find you know, find somebody that consumes, or, or find even on the CBD side, even on the CBD side, you know somebody that um, that that consumes, or you know somebody that has benefited from it ask them how ask them what they did ask them what how they used it do a little research on your own and it, it's not the wild west anymore there's real accredited doctors scientists chemists architects all of them leaving their posts and i tell absolutely everybody 95 percent of what you have available to you in mainstream america is available in the cannabis industry and we're just getting started yeah well how do we get a hold of you um and connect with you how do our listeners do that oh yeah absolutely so yeah the easiest way uh, you can follow my adventures uh on instagram uh suavecito underscore frederico and uh you can find me there my website almost everything is posted on the website been a little lax uh on that for uh last month because i was on a initiative for Memorial Day, working with vets, but um, you'll see a lot of my events all on my website, thesuavelife.com, T-H-E-S-U-A-V-E-L-I-F-E.com. And uh, almost everything leads to, to, to my website, it branches out from my website. So it's the easiest way to get a hold of me, website, Instagram, um, and then um, all of my social media can be found on my website too. So like that and i'm always open for conversations with absolutely everybody you know you look you reach out to me on like linkedin i'm like yeah like why not um so uh contact information is on there reach out if you have any questions you need connections in the industry i'm not a broker like any of that stuff like i have like over the last uh four years almost in the industry i built up a very very healthy rolodex going door to door in an industry that everybody nobody else is um uh, uh ballsy <laughs> as I am and go door to door on. So uh, um, 90% of the people in my Rolodex, I can't use anyways. And that's the way I can, you know, give it, give back to the, the <laughs> source back. That's the way I can give back to the community. That's the way I can give back to the, the, the industry yeah. and people like, if you need connections, just let me know. I'm, I'm more than happy. Just know that I will be asking you like six months down the line. If I need something or whatever, um, if I give you a call, answer the phone. That's it. 
Absolutely. Like, like, like no, no pay, no nothing, brother. Like, it's been an honor. All good vibes. All right. Talk to you soon. All right. Much love, brother. You have been listening to No Like Trust by Stampede Digital Systems, a part of the Stampede Podcast Network. The questions from today's interview have been adapted and simplified from the powerful marketing tool, the Sales Site Blueprint. To learn more and get the full set of questions to start your business on the No Like Trust path, download your free Sales Site Blueprint today from StampedeWeb.com. That's StampedeWeb.com. Until next time, this is Be Rich, signing out.